Blog Talk Radio. Aloha. Welcome to Talking Pictures. I was just saying thank you there because I always say thank you before I go on air. It has a little kind of like mantra of aloha. Thank you to the PR rep, Diana, and who set up this phone call this morning also. We appreciate your time. We appreciate everyone's time. And, and of course, Charlotta. And we're going to have her pronounce her name because I knew it looked like a French or Danish middle name, and I didn't want to pronounce it wrong. You know, we like to be uh, respectful of our guests here. But today, I'm, first of all, new listeners, uh, anyone who knows the show, uh, I tend to get overly excited and passionate. And it's, uh, to me, it's a very, I think, uh, I love it, obviously. And I get excited. And I've had people say that's what they enjoy. But then occasionally I will talk too fast. So I want to let people know today in advance that I do apologize for that. Uh, it is just something that I have in me, like anyone, when you need too passionate. This is a cinematographer. Uh, we're going to bring her in and we'll introduce her in a second. Uh, like I said, we'll have her mention her name. Um, today we're here to talk about Molly's Game, which is... Aaron Sorkin's new film, well, and his team. Uh, I don't, I'm not fond of saying it's just the director because we all know it's teamwork. Uh, Molly's Game stars Jessica Chastain, Kevin Costner. It hits Christmas Day. Thanks again to PR for letting us see a press screening the other day. And let me see. I see our guest is online. Are you with us? Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I uh, really appreciate you being here today. I'm, uh, I want to let you know, first off, uh, I'll have you mention your name so it's said properly, but uh, uh, I don't tell guests anything they want to hear, so please know that compliments are completely 100% authentic. They are not just because you're on air, so I want to let oh, you know that. Um, and, and with <laughs> okay. that... Uh, Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, I, I've actually been a fan of yours for a while, just so when I got this film that came across my uh, our pitch sheet, we were so thankful. So let's start out with if you could uh, tell, tell us your name. So my name is Shilata Bruce Christensen. Um, yeah. Okay, so I didn't mean to make that sound like a police lineup. Um <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> okay, turn to your right. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so just, I'm just going to give the audience some, some reference here. This is Denzel or not Denzel. This is Aaron Sorkin's first, uh, outing as a director. Uh, as we both know now, we are further enough away from the West wing to where there's people who say, what's the West wing. Um, I mentioned Denzel because for those mm-hmm. of you, if you haven't seen Molly's game first, uh, you can get a nice, uh, not intro, intro to her work for yourself. It was not her first uh, time as a cinematographer. Uh, you can watch Denzel's Fences, uh, which to me there's some similarities in uh, only a few locations and witty dialogue and adaptation, and we'll get to that. But first of all, um, and to let you know, our questions don't go A, B, C, D, so uh, it's not that we're unorganized. We just like to shake it up and not uh, be like talking heads. I like that. Yes. Yeah. It, I like thank that. you so yeah. much. Thank I you like so the much. Random chat. Yes. Yeah. It's like, where did you go to film school? And then what kind of coffee did you drink? Um, my first question yeah. is, as a cinematographer, obviously uh, you're, you're supposed to give me the visuals. What, what was a specific challenge for you when going in it's not like, say, David Fincher, you know, where it's going to be mostly visuals. You know that with the Aaron Sorkin script, you're going to get a boxing match of dialogue. So how did you, what were some of your thoughts or process in how you could contribute to such a dialogue-heavy script? It, it was, and, and I mean, reading the script, which is a 180-page script, you know, from the beginning, I knew that this is going to be a different challenge. You know, even though I'd just done Fences with Denzel, that was also 
quite a bit of dialogue. It was certainly a very different approach, this one. I mean, Aaron's script is it's a lot of voiceover, and the, the challenge is also that the voiceover belongs to a beautiful lady who's a lot of the time standing or sitting still observing a game, a game that isn't actually, uh, you know, a part of the storytelling. You're not following the game. The game is a game that she's observing. So, first of all, there was a lot of dialogue, but there's also a lot of stillness. You know, she's sitting there observing the game. And um, and when you read Aaron's script and you know his previous pretty incredible work, you know already that there's got to be energy. It's not like we can sit there and make a beautiful portrait um, for, for two hours. It has to move. So I think that was that was for sure a challenge. And it was also a challenge, I I think, and I feel, and I I know actually from Aaron um, in my very first meeting with him that that was a challenge for him too. He was saying to me, but 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 how, what are we what, what are we going to photograph more than her? <laughs> you know how are we gonna, right, how are we right. gonna, what are we going to do to cut? And and um, and I think, you know, that also kind of told me this is a, it is a challenge, yes, but it's also going to be a very interesting one, one I haven't had before because you've got to have to be creative with with little things. However, there is so much being said uh, with the words. But, but the script didn't necessarily describe a lot of visuals. You know that she was sitting there and you know there was a game but for, for a lot of the scenes, it was important that we didn't photograph the game to make people feel that you had to follow the actual who's winning. There's only one, once um, or twice, actually, that you, that you have to actually follow a game. Um, so, hey, it was, it was a challenge. I was very nervous about it. Um, but it became very, actually, because Aaron Sorkin, of course, you know that you've got the best guidance in him as a director, whether he's directed before or not, because he knows his script. And to me, directors who knows their script knows how to direct. You know, he, he, knows, he knows the rhythm of it and he knows where it needs to go. So I think that also kind of allowed us to, uh, obviously we did our prep and we plan and certain shots, you know, like the skiing hill and things like that were obviously very specifically planned because they were practically at difficult locations or whatever. But most of the time there was also a lot of improvisation because we had to just, feel and see and where is she turning her face at that point well then I can track the opposite to create some so there was a lot less for improvisation actually to create that energy um, which was uh, scary okay. very... well thank you for sharing that it was scary and because I, I know uh, one of the things that well a lot of artists don't, don't generally admit that or are open about that which is understandable it's just hum, human nature but, oh, uh, I will. Big time. Oh no! I, and, and as I say, I really <laughs> like that because we we uh, one of the goals of this show is that the artist feels like they can be open and doesn't just you know uh, clam up. The, another question you're, that spawns off of how you were saying, of course, when the writing's there, that that age old saying, uh, you you can't make a good movie out of a bad script, but you know the good script can lead to a move a good movie or uh, now. You sit down. Um, what I'm looking at is this has a cinematographer, a first-time director, as you said, usually doesn't have the backing of they wrote Steve Jobs, they wrote Social Network, they wrote Moneyball. But where I, that, what this question is, yeah. three of his last scripts were about real people. <clears throat> and so th- with this one also being about a real person, as a cinematographer, how do you extract any form of personal opinion or bias to the character or what the character was doing, how does that play into the visuals? I've heard writers explain it and directors, but I wonder how the person who's in charge of the lighting, how it affects their process. Oh, on this one, I don't think I've ever um, had it feed in as much as it did on this. This was a portrait of Molly Bloom and I knew from the beginning just the way Aaron um, spoke about Molly and and the conversations that they've had and the many hours of work they've had together with you know with the book and while him writing the, the script and and his fascination of of the story um, and also of her and telling about her you know I I haven't been I, I wasn't um, lucky enough to meet her uh, before we were shooting but just listening to the way 
and what made him excited about this story definitely I knew that this is this is this this is the food for me. This is what I this is what's gonna tell me what we are gonna shoot. I know the script is is a lot of words and 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 she's a lot of the time sitting there standing there, but that is the that is when we're moving. That is the story that we really are need to visualize. So many scripts you get a you get a script where there's some action described or you know there's some petrol station blowing up or some phone or car flying around the air. You know it's described action. And there's a bit in this, you know, she's being beaten up, and there's definitely action scenes, not action scenes, but, you know, dramatic scenes. But there was also a lot of non-dramatic scenes. And I, and I soon realized that that is the drama. It's her. It's the way she's dressed. It's her makeup. It's her as a person. It's her. Um, it's Molly's. Everything that she decides to make this game, to win this game, to do, win her own goals, to get where she needed to get, to get the best. You know, she's a, she's a, you know, she's a sports girl. She is a winner. She's trained to be a winner, and that is the story. So for me, all these little things, you know, it tells you when to move the camera, when to push in in a real tight close-up, or, you know, when you have her from behind and you see that beautiful hair down the back in the open, uh, the back of the dress, or all these things that could tell about the decisions that she makes. And so... Photographing Jessica Chastain and and you know the, the the wardrobe and makeup was a huge huge deal. Um, but anyway, I just want to go back to to the fact that the way Aaron spoke about Molly was one of my most um, most important sources um, to to be able to give him back you know, ideas and what, you know, that's what cinematography has to do. We have to, we listen and we read and we get ideas and we take the overall visual ideas from the director and Aaron certainly had those. And then you go home and you, you mess it all up and you find some references and you dig deeper into it. And, and listening to his stories about Molly was certainly one of the biggest inspirations to, to understand and to get ideas for how to visualize the, the story. If that makes sense. Well, thank. No, no, that no, that's great. Um, it, mm-hmm. I was. You had mentioned she was beaten up. Of course, I wasn't going to mention that. There's a dramatic scene, uh, because that involves, as you said, she she. Uh, what what was it like on, not being personal to you, but what was it like on a personal level, or as a cinematographer? I know you guys are in the business to create what image is there, but. I think of like, uh, you know, if my dad had a heart attack yesterday and I had to go in tomorrow and film a heart attack scene, just as a woman, what was it like to film those scenes and see that going on, even though you know it's a stunt double and even though you know no one's really being hurt, that when you cut those together, uh, was there any specific challenges to that? Or like, hey, you know, this let's not go too far with this uh, in terms of just what's going on with, Oh yeah, yeah. How how was that? Yeah, it's it's always. Or you ask about what you know. What is it? You know, emotionally as a cinematographer, and I I think whenever it's tough for the actor, it's tough for the cinematographer because you are right there. You know, I'm operating the cameras. So you're. It, it's something you wanna. You want to do it as as dramatic as you can, but it's something that you also want to. You always feel this urgency to kind of let's get it done. Actors always get, or actresses once you get to it to a scene that's been discussed, and we know there's a lot of makeup and blood and action, and often it becomes like let's do it, let's do it now. I want to get it done. I want to get to the other side, and so it's a you know the urgency and the precision and the focus is so and and obviously. For me as a cinematographer, it's always like you just don't want to fuck it up right there. <laughs> you want to be so precise because you can feel the tension. Right. And and it's, it's always tough. It takes a lot of energy for, for I mean, that scene took a lot of energy from, from Jessica because just the makeup and the precision of that and feeling vulnerable in front of everybody uh, is tough. It really is an emotional thing. Um, so, as you know, I'm obviously very aware of that and just want to, help and support as a, as a person and as a colleague on set to get to the other side, um, if, if that makes sense. 
Oh no, oh, no, it totally does. I mean, I I had a friend who had to sh- who was a cinematographer on an indie. He had to shoot a rape scene, and he had to do the POV of, and it required him to like stand over the actress, and like she had to pretend she was being held down, and he just like he was like sweating. He's just like there's just something about like being over a woman, and she's screaming no, and you have to keep pushing the camera in. That it just it was just like too much for him. He was just like you know, one more take or someone else needs to operate. And, and, and you, <laughs> so, yeah, no, you get into these um, situations where it's just, just um, uh, we just finished shooting uh, John Krasinski's film and there was a scene also where, you know, where he was having to hold a baby and, he, and it, uh, uh, you know, and put this baby in a, in, in a box and, and like it was very emotional because it's, you're not just acting, you're also responding to other people or to kids or animals or whatever. It's, it's a real moment, even though you're making a movie uh, that you have to deal with. Um, so you obviously, as a cinematographer, you're very careful and very, uh, you want to do everything you can to just make it as easy and comfortable for everybody as, as possible, even though you have to put a camera right in their face. Like, it's not always, it doesn't feel right sometimes. <laughs> And this one, Molly's Game, the way we shot that scene was like handheld camera right in there. So I had to get the matte box right in her face and, and you feel kind of, it doesn't feel right, you know. But obviously... Yeah, I was going to say, there's some... There's some... There's some... I mean, I, maybe they wouldn't be called ECUs, but they were as close to an ECU as I could think of. And uh, I was really blown away by that because I had... I had read in my research that you operated your camera and thank you for um, answering that because uh, that will come up uh, that, or that does come up with a few questions uh, process with the editor. I, I know mm-hmm. that sometimes a cinematographer uh, never meets the editor. Sometimes the editor is on set discussing what, you know, they've seen dailies. And uh, so what was, this like with your editor in terms of uh, did you guys get to have any form of kind of map? Because I know now that obviously can have a scene cut together by the end of the day, a part of a scene and kind of see what they got as opposed to when it was wait for dailies, then wait for the development, then the editor cut something a week later. So you didn't really have the option to call up the editor two days Mm. later and say, hey, can I so, so for you, uh, there's so many rapid-fire cuts, again, because the dialogue is so rapid-fire. Uh, was there a bigger challenge in knowing, hey, we have to shoot a full two-minute medium of this, but then in the end film, 10 seconds of that right. two-minute shot was used? How, what was that like as a cinematographer? Uh, we didn't have that. Uh, luxury and I think it was also a choice from Aaron and, and the way that he wants to work and every director you know has their way of working and um, and you obviously that's a challenge for us in the you gotta you gotta alter yourself you gotta you gotta adjust and, and fit into a specific um, work work method um, and and some some directors want to get you know to cut the scenes as we go along and you'll have a look and he'll invite you in to see that scene because we're back in that set next week so we can have a look at we, we're missing this and this and that. I think for Aaron, because because he's a very experienced screenwriter and he has the film in his mind as a story, he has it in his mind, he didn't need to see these things. He didn't need to show that. So we didn't see anything. We spoke about it and I know his editor um, uh, we, 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 unfortunately, there was you know we had one editor while shooting, and 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 it's another set of editors that's been um, finishing the movie. Um, so, but what we did have dialogue, but we never saw a scene. Um, we never actually heard the voiceover, and I think for Aaron, it's 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 bit by bit, and that works for him. You know, so like we were shooting it, and then after that, he wanted to do the voiceover, but the voiceover was only ever read from the script when we were shooting. And you know it can that can be hard for for me. I I it would make it easier for me if we could hear the voiceover. But I also have to respect that, and I understand he knows where that voice. He doesn't need to hear it. Um, so I think creating the images. That's also why I I was like maybe sometimes wanting to give a little bit more than what I knew they were needed because 
I, I needed to make sure that there is enough that they can that they can create the energy in the scene if they need to. And and maybe they won't need to. Maybe this is a scene where it has to go a little bit slower. But if they want that energy, I know we need those little close ups of this and this and that or we should have another shot from her of her from behind because then you can cut the closer from the front and so that was the kind of dialogue was like, Well, if you want this to be uh, but most of the time, Anne would say, you know, I'll, I'll put up a long track and he'll say, like, well, you don't have to track all the way to the end because I'm going to cut it up anyway. Uh, and I said, all right, if you're going to cut it up, then let's not do that. Then let's, let's put B camera in and make sure we get a lot. Of, so it was like a on-the-spot kind of dialogue, feeling the script, feeling him and his work with Jessica. And then I was responding to, oh, okay, if, you, if that's the case, I'm going to do this and this and that. Um, but more... Uh, quite often it was me at the end of a scene, Aaron would go like, we got it, we got it. And I was like, I, I, can we just, like, I just want to put the camera in one more here because then you can overlap to this and that. And, um, so we had those kind of daily um, fun kind of dialogues when he was like, we're moving on. And I was like, ah, I want to give you more. Just because we didn't see the cut and we didn't hear the voiceover, we read it. Um, and I knew the approximate kind of timing. But if he was feeding the voiceover into the next scene, they would be different or, you know, so. Right. I was very bit just understanding the pacing because obviously it was in his head and I had to learn about it. Um, so I, I, it was, you know, it's a big responsibility, I felt, to, to, um, to, to make sure and to try and make sure that he had enough. Um, but obviously always very well guided by Aaron because he knew the script uh, and I, I just wanted to give him more all the time which we're laughing about that now <laughs> which was really funny really no, funny I mean, that's, that's, no I mean I, I, <laughs> I was thinking I knew going in just because I've watched every season of the West Wing like at least five times except the last one and I know he left during season four but I knew there was going to be this when I was going in doing my prep of okay I have to pay attention to the cinematographer that I thought there's not going to be this, uh, oh, my gosh, how did you do this five-minute master? Or how did you do this? Uh, obviously, I mean, there was long tracking shots in the West Wing, but I knew right off the bat this is, I want to thank you because I actually had the great challenge of having to watch cinematography with so many cuts and knowing that there might be, mm-hmm. it might be showing Michael Sarah. You're hearing Jessica Chastain, but you're seeing waitresses walk by. And that kind of, yeah. I mean, he's, of course, Sorkin has been quoted many times saying he grew up with jazz music in his house. So he equivalates ja- uh, dialogue to jazz music. And that's why there's such a great, uh, I call him like the Duke Ellington of dialogue writing, um, is... Now, this, if you don't mind, I, I found ways to tie fences into Molly Molly's game. Do you mind if a few things are mentioned about fences? No, absolutely not. I love that movie. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying no, absolutely not to the question. Sorry. Um, uh, no, I was okay, like, so... please, no, 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 no. I don't mind it is what I mean. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Because I was like, oh, okay, well, it was nice talking to you today. We've been, no. Um, okay, so, uh, well, where <laughs> I was going with it was. Absolutely not. Please yeah, go ahead. You, yeah, so for Fences, of course, it was uh, an August Wilson play. He passed away. Tony Kushner uh, uh, had, had a lot of the writing to do with it. And then, of course, the director comes in, has his say. And then this one, of course, was also adaptation. Uh, is there a point or a lesson you could share for yourself or others where kind of how you learned to work with a director who was working with adapted material or adapted screenplay to where had it been, had you not done fences, you wouldn't have been able to jump into something adapted for someone's life, like to where fences kind of fueled that ability to understand uh- Sorry, go ahead. Absolutely. And and I just want to say the education that one receives as a cinematographer, and I guess, you know, whether you're a costume designer or, you know, I'll speak for myself, but the, the education that I feel I receive on each project, it, it makes sense. When you've done the next project, 
it's so you I do go back and say, Well, thank God uh I did census before I did Molly's game and thank God that I had done Girl on a Train before I did Fences. You know, there's always like a you understand what you learn in each project. And I have to say, making Fences with Denzel Washington was education for me. You know, but education on the go. I also, it was a great, great experience. And, and, and luckily, and I'm grateful for that, even though I had a lot to learn, both about the story and, you know, because Denzel knew that again. I've been working with two directors who know the material very well. Denzel's been working with that for many, many years. He's been doing the play, also with Viola. So it was the full cast. And, um, Scott Rudin's been producing the play too. So everybody was had been living with that story for many years. And here I come in with the, the uh, four o'clock train and, and got to jump on that. And I knew that this is like this is going to be. It's a study for me to understand and try. I can never be, also like being respectful that I know I can never be at the level of understanding that story that they could, but at the same time, I had to be a collaborator and I had to get as much, you know, I had to get under the skin of that story to be, to be with them. Um, and I have to say, Denzel, let me get in there because that is a big, if you, if you know what I mean, you know, right. he invited me in and he spent time with me telling about what the story was for him. He's a great storyteller even. And that's also how he directs that, you know, well, some, some days when we did the prep, we would sit down on the couch and he would be telling stories uh, about his experiences in life or family stories or uh, stories with, with colleagues that would relate to a scene that we were shooting. So I would learn about the scene, listening to his stories and, and for us chatting about it, I would, you know, I come from a different country, culture, everything. So I would feel in with my experience and the conversation about life and people was about that scene. I've never tried that before, but it was the most giving educational experience I've ever had. He let you, he educate you to make this scene that we're talking about or the, the film by experiences in life and then you understand what the scene is about and then you give what you give so it doesn't become like oh the camera uh, is from this angle you know of course we'll talk about certain shots but I the, the challenge was then okay I, I he now has given me what he needs to give me and I now need to fulfill the expectations and visualize this and it was such a great experience and luckily we look at things in the same way so Thank God I, I placed the camera, you know, and, and but he would always know if I was like tracking or zooming too fast. He'll go like, "This is all right. It's it's the right place, but you know what? Don't go so fast, girl." <laughs> you know, so he would come with these overall rhythm. Um, and Aaron had the same thing. I would often I would set up the camera and say, "This is this is how I feel. We should be tracking in over the table to Jessica because." We know the voiceover is so long, and, and we need to see her walking away from the table, or you know, there was there would be a reason for the track, and we would and Aaron would say, well, great, great, we'll do what you have to do, get it done, show me, and I'd show him, and he'd go like, yeah, that's all great, but go slower or go faster. I need to do this, you know. So from what I was offering up, the fine tuning directions would come um, from from both of those two directors, um, and I. Honestly, from my heart, it's been, you know, amazing experiences, and I feel so lucky. Listen, I, I've, my resume is not even reaching to <laughs> to where this begins. You know, they they both done so much more than I have. So to be working with, while educated by, and collaborating with um, amazing filmmakers like them, obviously has given me. A great deal uh, of of education, but also like, okay, I'm ready for uh, challenges now. I feel like you know I'm not. Of course, I'm going to continue learning for the rest of my life, but um, but I'm only excited about new challenges because they've really, uh, both of them have have just have really challenged me, but also given me so much that I can take with me, which I'm grateful for. That well, was a long well, speech. <laughs> No, no, hey, it's all, no, it's all good. No, we we want to hear. We want to learn. I mean, I, I always feel like I'm cheating because I get to to do what I love and host, and then I also get to 
just learn from each guest. So I feel like it's like I'm getting a, a master's class I didn't pay for, and then I'm getting the buzz of doing what I love. So it's kind of like, what, 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 more can you, uh, what more can you ask for out of a day? Um, what more can you ask for? Yeah. Um, oh. th- there's a, there's um, the question I had. Well, and also so people know, uh, of course, obviously, Aaron Sorkin has talent, um, to say he has not directed before is not skewed, but uh, in television, an executive producer is not like a film executive producer. So running the West Wing, he did have a heck of a lot of say, if not the final say, in certain things with directors or the shaping of the show. So his experience with directing was just kind of different. It wasn't the standard okay, after three months, we all leave and we never, uh, unless we make friends, we never, might never work together again. So so the audience understands that this wasn't just Sorkin, wrote a great script, all of a sudden got the okay to direct it and uh, was off to the races. Um, here's, here's a question uh, that I know, because um, we're down to our last eight or nine minutes here. Um, do you have a best lesson for yourself from Molly's game to where you came home from work, you sat down and you were able to just think, you know what, had I not, and I don't mean in the general way. I mean, if, if there's something specific to where you just thought, well, you know what, had I not done Molly's game, I, I wouldn't have gotten this lesson or I don't see how this lesson would have come to me through another project. So kind of like a, like, wow, this is why I did Molly's Game kind of thing. Oh, yeah. The answer is yes. Um, I think in particular with Molly's Game, um, which again was a very different, even though there's similarities with, with the fences and that the two movies, more than any other movie I've done, you, you have to engage with the dialogue. And the words were key. You know, were the leading storytelling element. However, that didn't mean to the filmmakers either and to the directors didn't mean that the visuals weren't important. It just it was just as important, but it had to be my work had to be very supportive of the words. Still matching it and, and fulfilling the expectations of what the world looks like when you're listening to this. Obviously, otherwise you wouldn't make a movie. You'll make a radio play. So, right. <laughs> um, to, and some of the other movies I've done, like The Hunt, and you know, also Girl in the Train was, was very opposite. We had a we had a protagonist sitting in the train for a lot of scenes, observing the world, not saying a lot, passive, passively letting time pass by and wanting time to pass by. And it was you know it it, it was an internal journey, and she was thinking about the past and wanting the future and the past. She was thinking about wasn't the truth and. You know, that was a very different approach, um, and the visuals were were kind of leading at some point. You know, with the, the sound design, uh, obviously, always with with the obviously with the performances. But you know, I, I think from Molly's game and, and Fences, and, and I learned that especially in Molly's game because we had to move. Fences were more like portrait, um, slower moves and stuff. But Molly's game. I've never been working on a movie where I needed to understand that kind of camera movement to wrap around. You know, for, for me, that in the earlier days, I felt like, oh, that's music video. If you just, like, track in, wrap around, it's like it doesn't mean anything. It meant something. It meant the rhythm. It gave the rhythm to, to support the words. And, and um, that's how I feel about Molly's Game, that I, I learned that lesson I've never... I, I was learning about those movements, understanding camera movement and how it's going to cut and the pacing of it and how do you then cut into another scene that's like you know it's going to come to a static camera. Do you stop the camera in the previous scene and know that the cut can be from static to static? Or You know, I suddenly had to study all these on the go. And um, I, I look back at it and I I know exactly what I learned in that movie. And I... And I feel eager to actually explore that even more, this way of moving the camera. Um, I think my personal fascination and the, the way I kind of grew up through film school and I've been studying very static camera work, like Ingmar Bergman and 
persona, you know, with the portrait of a of a lady talking for for twenty minutes about a story that she. And and this is where I I come through that. This is who I am. But that, and I use that still to understand how the moving images and the faster moving cameras and the many cuts had to work. Um, but I I know for sure that that Molly's game gave me, taught me a lot about. Um, understanding, you know, the, the, the steady cam work, the, um, the the coming up and into an over top shot and cutting, like being freer with with each shot, knowing that it's not about this portrait shot. It's like the next shot and the next shot, and it's about all of them together in a scene. Uh, it's not this key shot that will make the scene. It's all of them together. So each shot were like, I don't want to say less important, but they needed the before and after, and that was a new, a new challenge for me. Um, on Molly's game. Well, that yeah, you I know, that and I've noticed, I've noticed too. Oh no, that's great. I mean, I, I've I've noticed too through. I mean, of course, I only got to see Molly's game once, but fences I'd already seen a few times, um, and I watched it again. And when you were talking about just the slowest dolly or that there was things I picked up on uh, just real briefly, the like what he tells Corey to find the saw, how there was just this tiniest. I knew as, a film, as someone who went to film school and who has made some indie features on Prime that sometimes the dolly move is to hit the next mark, but then also sometimes the dolly move has a reason. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, wow, this cinematographer really has, and understanding not only through operating, but also having to pay attention if your key grip is moving too fast, if the track was at the right angle. Yeah. Um, just all that technical stuff. I know we could do a whole other podcast. Um, that was fences. Yeah, fences. fences. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fences. Like I've never, it, and the tiniest move meant something. And I think that's where I cannot say enough how, how much I enjoy the relation, working relationship with, with, also because I think that's my personal style. That's how, like, that, that little, like, now we start the track and now we start. Oh, God, that was one, one you know, that was a second too early. we got to go again because we're going to stop right there. So that kind of precision with each shot and, and moving with the feelings or the head turn, but it's, like, invisible, but you feel it. So it's, like, minimalistic precision to the... the to each word, and and Denzel is very—he's a very passionate filmmaker. He is. This story means something. He's very truthful, and it means a lot. The, the experience I had with him, anyway, was that the truth of the story comes first, and we serve that, and he serves that, and and we are his soldiers to serve that, and collaborators, and he lets you work with him, which is. So it's like, you know, that's the best directors who will let you, who will guide you and direct you, but let you work. And he certainly did that. Um, but, but that's, you know, that's my personal um, desire and, and passion too. So we just dig deep into that, you know, okay, we got to stop here or here. We could, you know, get into details with like, oh, it's one inch more or right, tiny right, bit slower right. on the, so it's so precise. Where Molly's game and I love that. Aaron was like, it's a, it's a rhythm, it's jazz music, it's like you got to feel it and go, or it doesn't matter if it's a little bit fast, a little bit, you know, or it would be more like it's got to be slow or don't move at all. It's, it's more like next one and the whole, the, the scene together, all the shots together. The precision for him, I think, also came with the editors because I would create the foundation and, and everything had to... You know, some scenes had not was a decision not to move. It wasn't that the whole movie was just like let's go, let's track. Not at all. It, there were some very specific decisions when not to move and when students and and Aaron really encouraged some scenes. It's like this is a shot. I don't. It's one shot. And we do have these scenes where it's just one shot and it could be static. Um, but I had to learn the, the musical rhythm, and we needed to create the space for the editor to make those very precise cuts. So I think for Aaron as a scriptwriter, he understands, because scriptwriting is editing too. You've got to edit that script, right? So you get the exact right. feel. So he and the editors, uh, you know, which did an amazing job, really. Um, 
that's where that fine little precision came in. Um, so very, well, you know, different, similar and different. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because I, I know, and, and, and we won't get into Girl on the Train, which I haven't seen, but I remember my dad telling me about it just about, he's like, even if you walk out of it and you don't enjoy it, he's like, the visuals of this movie are just amazing. He's like, I want to just go back and watch it just for the visuals. So uh, with that, has we come oh, up on our, on, on our, yeah, and like I said, at the top of the hour, I don't, I don't, I, that's a totally true comment. Um, uh, we, I, I, uh, the last thing I want to say before we ask our two questions that we ask every guest was that this is a kind of cool thing to where, of course, The Girl on a Train was a remake, and then you've gotten to play with uh, uh, a play to be adapted to a movie, a book adapted to a movie. So this is obviously going to be a great, and then how every cinematographer expands. But just very briefly, I wanted to uh, thank you as an artist because I haven't gotten to show my father Molly's game. He's as into film as I am. He's where I get being a filmmaker. Uh, but for for right. side note for fences, uh, my grandmother in the old days was the Viola Davis character. My grandfather treated my father like Denzel acted. And so for me, you were part of, I'm only bringing oh, wow. this up to say, to say thank you because uh, when we saw it last Christmas, my mom walked out saying, good movie, I'm depressed. My dad walked out silent saying, good movie. And I walked out saying, I just got an epiphany and a portrait of how my grandparents acted, why they did. My grandfather was that uneducated mm. Denzel character. So to me, Fences is like a... a is like a family photo album. And so I just wanted to say thank you for being a part of contributing to that because it gave me something very deep and heavy. Um, and that was just a oh, great thank you for piece saying of that. work. I mean, as I, well I, as well. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I, I just want to say, well, thank you for saying that. And also, I, you know, that's exactly what I said to Denzel. I was like, thank you for letting me be part of this because I think, you know, whether you're a filmmaker working on that, Story, or you you were in the audience watching it. I think we are having the same experience. Um, like the gratefulness to being part of that story because it gives you at, at every like I, I grew up in Denmark. You know, I'm from a completely different culture. But then again, it's universal. You know, the way you choose to bring your your beliefs in the world and how what you really believe in, right or wrong, you want to give your children the best and this is your this is what you believe is the best you know and that's what Troy gives it and Denzel said to us every single day this is a story about love it's love he might be so tough on his boy but he wants to toughen him up he wants him to be ready for this fight and he believes that he won't ever go and make make himself successful in sports because at the, you know he believes that there isn't room for black people at that point um, so it's the truth to him it's the truth but other people might see wider than that. And, and I think that is a film and a story. And, and August Wilson wrote a universal um, story that everybody can somehow identify with, uh, which is, you know, so I, you, you say thank you. And I, and I do too, just to, and I wanted to say to you, being part of making the movie, I felt exactly what you just did. I, I would go home certain days or when I saw it for the first time, I, I felt that was, Relate. I was relating to it. It's one. Of, it's one of those films that are just special and always will be. And you can look. You can watch it again in, in two years, and you'll see something new. Oh yes. I, I, and thank you for being willing to discuss that today. And for PR, we appreciate that openness because I, for for this show, also how I told you that we like to do not do ABC. We also like to have somewhat of a profile because I see so many interviews about let's just say Michael Sarah, and he's talking about uh, Arrested Development, and there's no context, context of what that character means. Or there's no, so we really like to be able to find at least one film in the filmography so we can tie themes and give people an understanding of the cinematographer and the work and not just, mm-hmm. oh, you really, knew how, you really know how to do great over-the-shoulder shots. Um, our last question, which we ask of every yeah, guest, yeah. Yeah. is you, because uh, I could, I, this is what I really enjoy about the show too. Once uh, a couple of filmmakers or film lovers, if they're even half on the same page, it's just, 
and they don't have stuff to do, you can talk till tomorrow. And that's what I love about film. It's like speaking a different language uh, is that, so, so here's the question. The script is there, the budget's there, the director's there. Uh, you have the, you have the pick. What is your dream genre that you want to do before you stop doing this, retire, whatever it is? What's that one type of film you want to make? In the future? Yeah, in the future, yeah. Your dream genre. For our next project, you mean? Yeah, just in general. It could be five years from now, but before you before you hang up your camera, you have to make a, this genre. Oh, see, I I want to answer that question, and then I you put me on the spot a little bit because I I I I honestly don't think about the future and what I want to do in that way. I I'm so dedicated to a script. I'm a, I'm such a script reader. I I I I'm I'm open. I I I don't I don't want to say I don't care if it's a creature movie or alien movie or or action or it's a portrait. It, I, I do, but at the same time, it's it's to understand a script and to find out whether you are a good match for the story. It, it's so much about the individual. It's just how it how it pulls me into the story, and if I can, if I can identify with it, with or without uh, action scenes or with or without creatures. Or, but then again, I. I still want to answer. So I, I think my my first response is like I there isn't a I must do this genre. Um, it's such a I'm just fascinated about storytelling and and actors conveying uh, you know and interpreting a character and the work that goes into it and, and that is what drives me. Um, well, no, I mean that's a great answer because there's I'll no right like, or wrong answer. I would love to do like a. It, talking about what would be fun, you know, I would love to do like a, a yeah, an action like James Bond movie or, you know, something uh, out of Star Wars or something that is, you know, that pushes me further into something that is, because I, I really, I so enjoyed this working on Molly's game that, and I understood I can do these things. I just got to listen to the director and take those directions and respond to it, even though it's not my, you know, I'm with the static portrait and, and persona and Ingmar Bergman. I I use that to to understand different genres, and I, I have to say, it opened up um, my interest and e- eagerness to to try more and and different things. I hope that's an answer. <laughs> no, that's like no, a the one word answer, the but, uh, Yeah, no, that's great. No, there's no right or wrong answer, and and you're actually second guest in the last like five who have said uh it's just story and script and to do something great and it could be this or that so i mean the majority of cinematographers have said sci-fi but uh other than that no there's i I do you know that's another premise of our show is there's no right or wrong answer there's no cut to commercial so uh we we really appreciate but you know what like action films like like James Bond of Star Wars, you know, they have that level of, um, you know, there's the action scenes, there's the technical aspects that you got to know, but there's also both these two um, uh, genres. That there, there is, there's a human story in all of that, and I think that it's interesting to explore genre, but I think it's still got to be a movie that has, or a story that, that where there is a, um, a real character in there even though it's 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 you know put into a film world or you know a fiction and everything is stronger and bigger and and whatever there's a real story and and that's interesting to work with the levels of 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 a genre to a to a to a truthful story if that makes sense you know even in star wars even though it's fiction and and it's so there is real you can certainly relate to it which is amazing it's amazing no, I, I agree with you and mixing a story and genre. Like I I love when people uh and not to bring up Denzel again, but I love when people will say like I don't like westerns, but then they love training day and it's like if Ethan Hawke coming into town by himself with one gun to get revenge isn't a western, I don't know what is. 
Like, you know, and then exactly. having, having this exactly fight. <laughs> uh, oh, sorry, what was that? Yeah, Western is actually a good, is a good, that's an exciting area. You know, and that's what I'm saying. It's not that I'm dreaming about, uh, oh, i got to go and do a Western, i got to go and do a Star Wars movie, or, but it's the overall challenge of mixing genres that I find interesting, that you can do a genre but put in a different, you know, that's, it's fascinating. And, and, yeah. and you push yourself and you push yourself to keep learning by meeting new challenges and not just going for the one that feels familiar and matches me and, and where I come from, um, I guess is, a, no, that's, is that's, an answer. No, no, I appreciate it. And, again, we, we thank you for our time, your contribution to Molly's game, uh, to You're Fences. So welcome. It really is something I can go back to Fences if I'm confused about my grandfather and go, hey, and I know I know, I will see Molly's game a few more times because uh, my father will be like, we're going to see it. So I'm really jazzed about it. And, and again, the tough thing with these press screenings is uh, you see it once, so you can't rewind or you can't, uh, you know, so that's like that's another incentive for me was that I just walked out kind of so floored that I thought, okay, well, I'll get to see this again in January. So uh, we wish, you know, you the best with yeah, whatever yeah, you're yeah. working on and with Molly's game. And, again, thank you for making the time today. It's thank very you. much appreciated by our whole team. Oh, thank Excellent. you. for This was really fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Appreciate oh, it. Oh, you're very, you're very welcome, and you have a great day and happy holidays to you. You too. Thank All you. Right. You too. Take care. Aloha. Bye. 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 And that was a great conversation. I'm gonna just leave it at that because silence is golden, and you guys got to get out and see Molly's game on Christmas Day. I released the advanced review this morning. Check our Facebook page, our Talking Pictures Facebook page. Google it. Google Talking Pictures, Paul Booth, and Molly's Game. All right, that's going to do it for me. Have a happy Aloha Friday, everyone, and make sure and spread some peace today. Take care. Oh, and again, thank you to Charlotte and uh, PR, Diana, and everyone who is instrumental in making this happen.